Welcome back, baseball fans, to episode 36 of the Banish to the Pen podcast, a near-weekly audio adventure from the website Banish to the Pen, a group baseball blog by fans of the podcast, Effectively Wild. I'm your host, Ryan Sullivan, at NatsGM.com on Twitter and the Baron of All Baseball Podcasts. This week, I am happy to be joined and welcome and to welcome back regular contributors to the site and uh, former guests on this podcast, Tyler Baber and Ben Suisa. Welcome back to the show, guys. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having us. Yeah, pleasure to be back. And thank you guys for coming back on the show. I'm really excited to have you guys on. Uh, as we're recording this, just to help the audience out, it is Tuesday. I believe it's Tuesday. Goodness, these days all run together. Uh, and uh, we are watching the Mets and the Cubs right now. So Toronto played this afternoon. Just for full disclosure and all that good stuff. So uh, as we do each week, I want to uh, have you guys kind of introduce yourselves to the audience. It's been a little while since both of you guys have been on the show. Uh, let's start with the alphabetical. Tyler, uh, you know, Twitter handle, who you're a fan of, all that good stuff. Yeah, you can find me at Tyler's Notes on Twitter, um, and you can find me riling up controversy in the Effectively Wild group. Uh, and I live in Philadelphia. I root for the Phillies in as much as that means anything these days. Um, and as a Phillies fan, it means that I am the first to criticize them. And it also feels really weird wanting su- success for the Mets. Yeah, I, uh, I think we both have a unique take, uh, me as the Nats fan, you as the Phillies fan with these Mets right now. Of course, I'm cheering as hard as I can against them, but that's a different story. Uh, ben, kind of same question. Uh, introduce yourself and uh, say hi to everybody. Hey, guys. Well, you can find me at B Suisa, S-U-I-S-S-A, on Twitter. Um, born in Toronto, so grew up a Jays fan my whole life. But, you know, I, I try to mix in sort of all, all sorts of baseball anything that concerns maybe my fantasy team or, you know, hot headlines or, you know, whatever Ben and Sam tell me, you know, is hot at the time. <laughs> That's all uh, about me. Uh, ben, I want to start. You go to school in the Toronto area uh, or in the kind of around there, correct? Yeah, correct. About an hour outside of Toronto, an hour west. Before we dive in, can you just give us a little bit of a feel for what it's like up there right now? I mean, we haven't had, we, the Blue Jays haven't had playoff baseball and Canada hasn't in 20-something years and... All of a sudden now, you know, there are a couple of games in the World Series. I know today was a tough loss, but what is it like up in Toronto right now? It, it, it's cr- it's crazy. And and I, I do want to say it's, while it is pretty unique, um, the, the Raptors kind of had a run of their own last year. So I guess the whole city kind of came together during that as well. But I think this has kind of grown exponentially with the Jays. Um, and I, I'm sure we'll end up talking about it, but like the whole Game 5 of the LDS Everyone, you're walking in the streets, everyone's honking, and you're high-fiving everyone outside every single bar. So it's pretty crazy. And it seems, you know, even the the furthest people from baseball are are, are kind of interconnected now with, with the, the deepest fans. I mean, are you seeing everybody wearing Toronto caps around town now? And Oh, yeah, all over the place. Now, how was that six months, you know, four months ago, you know, around July kind of thing? Yeah, you didn't see it, you didn't see it at all, especially... Yeah, even if you went downtown, you know, you're, you're see a little bit of it, but maybe you know around the stadium. But you know, re- relatively, you know, maybe used as a style thing. But you know, like I like I said, casual fans and you know, not fans at all. People are getting tickets from you know from their work or from whoever, you know, buying the gear and really just you know, getting involved with with the with their run they've been on. It's quite amazing. Yeah, and I do want to get on, uh, and talk about game uh, game five and this, and particularly the seventh inning that has kind of become infamous. But first place I want to start this week, and, and I, pardon me if I don't remember which one of you guys threw out the topic idea, but it's a great one. Uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the change in expectations among these the four remaining teams and how drastically, really, things have changed for each organization. Goodness, at least in the last twelve months, or you know, even since opening day, in a lot of ways. So. Um, goodness, let's start. Let's start with Toronto. Uh, you know, obviously, we've got a Toronto fan here, so maybe we'll start with them. And uh, uh, let me give you the floor. Just uh, you know, Ben, go ahead. Actually, yeah, can sure. I open with a question? 
Sure, absolutely. So one of the yeah one of the big you know questions around Toronto was their bullpen. So tonight we feel it. Do you feel like that's been solved with Cliff Pennington? <laughs> yeah, I think you, honestly before I before I looked on Twitter and saw that he was pitching, I thought he was a reliever. I thought he was like a like a really really short Mark Lowe with short hair. So I I, I didn't even realize so he kind of he kind of looked the part a little bit. You know, a, a shorter you know, Jason Fraser type. Type build, but you know, maybe, maybe we'll, we'll think about it. Maybe for you know, eighth reliever. In an homage to uh, Ben and Sam, I wonder if we could do a play index of the last time there was a position player that pitched in the playoffs. I'm sure never. somebody tweeted. The answer it. is never. Yeah, I, Cespedes Family Barbecue tweeted never, and I trust them. Is that <laughs> right? That is amazing. Now, why did he come? Did he come in mid inning? Um, I believe it was to start the inning. Okay. Or, I could be wrong though. I don't quote me on that. Um, and he ended up giving like giving up one or two runs. I'm not sure if they were his. Um, you know, just trying to get most of the stuff over the plate. But he threw a couple of nice breaking balls. Like, surprise! You know, normally those guys, even like Chris Davis and stuff, will if they'll get a couple opportunities a year and they'll mostly throw 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 heat. Uh, but he, you know, a couple little nice like power curve that looked like. So pretty impressive. I was going to say, I mean, I know we're kidding around, but his mechanics look pretty good for a, you yeah. know, a position player pitching. I mean, normally you can spot them out, you know, like a bad toupee, but this guy, I, you know, Pennington looked like he had certainly pitched before. I wonder oh, if that's, I, uh, uh, I saw something. You go, go ahead. I've got to, I've got to look something up because I saw something great. On this. I, I wonder. I was thinking. I was wondering if it's more of a middle infielder thing, like a backup middle fielder. You know, the, the, maybe the position players are fielding in practice, and nobody wants to pitch. So he ends up getting some time to throw the ball around a little bit, and you know, eventually gets good at it. But he, but you know, he's a shortstop or second, you know, middle field shortstop. And he's a good athlete on top of it. Yeah, he's a good athlete. Got a good arm. And I'm sure that you know these guys play around all the time. There's a lot of downtime in baseball. Well, when it's it's some too hard to YouTube some grips for different pitches. And at some level, he had to have been a pitcher just because he was the best player on his team at some point and right. probably all the way through high school, if not college, hey, like, like, like every major leaguer. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, while Tyler's looking up, uh, his, Oh no, I've got uh, it. So it was a, oh, it was a tweet and I can't find the exact reference right now, but, um, basically it was somebody had said that after the game, Russell Martin was quoted as having gone up to Pennington and asking what he, asking him what he had. And he's like, uh, change up fastball, Two seamer, like just listed off four. <laughs> so yeah, I guess he he had a little bit of experience somewhere. All of them did at some point, right? That's uh, first of all. I just think that's so great that we saw that today. It was yeah, <laughs> a little bit a little bit of uh, joy in Toronto. Not much, but something. Yeah, that's uh, it, yeah. It's sorry, sorry, Ben. <laughs> It hurts. It hurts. Well, so so right. So the I mean, I feel like Toronto of the teams at this stage, they're the one with the window that's actually like closing, right? Because you've got um, basically a lot of that power is leaving in the next couple years or becoming really really expensive, and the pitching. I mean, you've seen we've seen there's. I guess it. I guess it depends on what happens with price, but there the pitching is also. A challenge. So this is like this to me seemed like their all or nothing year, and they're you know they're doing the best they can, but maybe they can get in next year. So I guess the question for that I have for them is like, yeah, AL East is is competitive, although I think less so this year than people expected. Um, so what do you see them doing from here? So yeah, I don't see it as that. I don't think it was that bad, especially like the Tulo move, and I think Revere is still here. And obviously Donaldson's got he's super two, so he's got at least three. Maybe, is he four? Four more years of control? Maybe this is the four. So three more after this. Yeah, I think you guys have both Tulo and Donaldson for three more years. Yeah, so you know that's 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 like the heart of your order right there. And I think Bautista's got another year and an option, and Edwin has not maybe an option. So I think there's you you can get at least there's three years combined out of those guys. So there's a there's at least a next year that I see on the horizon. Um, the pitching, you know, that doesn't look as as promising. Obviously, we gave quite a bit away to to get those guys, and 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 while it seemed like a like a fleece to get Tulo for Reyes's huge contract, 
for a declining guy, it kind of it kind of like tells me that Colorado must think really highly of of Jeff Hoffman, the guy they gave away in that trade. So, you know, and, and on top of Norris, who they also dealt, and some other Matt Boyd, some other younger um, sort of smaller tier guys, they did mortgage a lot. Um, but they still a lot of the young pitchers like. Osuna, I think they'll I think they'll give him a chance to start next year. He showed that you know he can. He's not just a you know fastball slider reliever type. You know, kind of most closers are these days. So he definitely should get a chance. I know he's I know he's publicly said that he doesn't really you know he sorry, he doesn't really need to start. He he likes his role as a closer, but he's you know he's got a wicked change up to go along with two other fastball and other off speed pitch. So he definitely be suited for the rotation. And he's only, I think, he's twenty. He's twenty. He can't. He couldn't even drink in KC, right? So he's twenty years old. Um, so there's still time there, and you know, and obviously Sherman, he had a big recovery, and we're still optimistic about him. So you know, th- they did give away a lot, but I do think their 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 big success window still is another one, maybe two years. Um, but but with the with the youth, with like Stroman and Osuna, and you know. With three more years of the other of Tulo and Donaldson, I think they'll they'll be decent after that. I don't think it's gonna. You know, no offense, no offense, Tyler, but you know Philly, Philly bought them out. Uh, as much as right, as, as yeah, well, so right, and the reason and I think the reason for that is you know big contracts, um, age aging out, and tying up a lot of money in old starting pitching. That if it breaks, you're doomed. Um, and no, so, no offense taken. Uh, as a Phillies fan, I will be the first to admit that what any mistakes they made. Um, and I think you know you made a lot of good. You you're naming a lot of good names, um, but I guess it, when it comes to thinking about what a team can do next year, I think the Mets are a, are an example of like if you can win a division that can be good enough. And, and I don't think the AL East is the powerhouse. It, used to be but there's a lot of money there and um it, you know a lot of the teams in the AL East were hanging on through through the all-star break and a little bit past to you know so I, I think it's a competitive division um and what it would take for Toronto to stay competitive is gonna probably I, I see them as the team if I had to set, pick one team that you know from of the four in the um in the championship series, who's win? Who's least likely to come back next year? I'd say Toronto. Well, and to build off your point, and kind of the beginning of kind of the whole subject we were bringing up is, it, Toronto is now going to start the season. They were, I don't know, maybe they were the favorites in the AL East this year, you know, so and so, and they definitely became the favorites when they made their trades. But they're going to go into 2016 as the clear favorite, certainly in the AL East, and maybe to a lesser degree in in all of. The American League. How does how does that sit with Toronto fans? How do you expect them to match that? I mean, they are going to have some turnover in the rotation, most likely. This ha- a lot of things have worked out this year. How, how does does that make you nervous, so to speak? Yeah, a little bit, and especially with Boston kind of doing their first and worst and first to worst thing. Um, <laughs> this year it was nice because you kind of right away it was like, okay, I guess we're competing against three other teams this year. Immediately, kind of rule them out. Um, I don't. I don't really see them as like bouncing back cr- a crazy amount, just because there's the starting pitching that just kind of came fell apart completely. Um, while they do have a lot of young guys, I don't, I, I do think it'll be competitive. Um, but so the Yankees have a lot of old guys too. But yeah, Tyler, you did make a great point, and you know the the money and you know, and we've seen with the Dodgers. You know, for example, the Dodgers did with Hector Oliveira, pretty much. Using money to get, get other get Oliveira and then get other players, Yankees could certainly do things like that as well. Um, so it, it's a it's a little intimidating to see what might happen next year, but you know I'm still fairly confident, especially the fact that even by by base runs and Pythagorean, you know the, these other these other ways to project a, um, a win loss record. I think I think by base runs there were like 103 wins or something. So you know even at whatever they, I think they won 93 or 90. Anyway, you know vastly underperformed those numbers. So even if we're you know we're regressing them back to you know some normal a normal 
when performance after losing a couple, some of their rotation, um, what they actually you know put on the, put it in the run differential category, will you know will, won't regress as much as 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 their actual win total. Yeah, and I think I think that's a good point, and that uh, especially that division that seems to be true. I mean, I guess I will say of of the AL East teams, um, I don't think Toronto's. Uh, going to be entering supervillain territory like uh, New York and Boston uh, have done, and I guess I see them. I see them positioned with the front office um, to try to maximize success uh, a, a bit better than the Rays are, given uh, Toronto's flexibility, and than the Orioles are, given Toronto's willingness to take any risk whatsoever. Uh, if I can jump in a quick second, because I do want to ask you, and this has got me leading into a, a, a thought, probably the three or four most active buyers at the trade deadline this year are the four teams that we see left in the standings now. Certainly Toronto going to get Price and getting Revere and Tulowitzki and, and Lowe and the others. Uh, KC got Zobrist uh, among other players. You know, the Mets and went Quato. and got yep. And Cueto, pardon right, yeah. me, thank you. And, and Cespedes with the Mets and Uribe, Clippard, Kelly Johnson, and, and other players I'm forgetting. I, I, do you guys see this as a maybe a new money ball type of a thing where teams will use their prospects that are so coveted to make these midseason additions to go for it? I mean, it, it certainly worked this year for these teams. Yeah, I think that's a great that's a great question is like, you know, how how strong were these farms going into it? I don't think people saw Kansas City's farm as that strong, and the fact that they were able to get you know what they got um, out of out of what who they had um, is pretty impressive. They gave up, yeah, I guess Finnegan and other pieces. They gave up the most to get Cueto, um, which makes sense. That's what people would have expected. But you know, between them and I guess uh, the Rangers were another buyer for. Um, for Hamels and Diekman, but that was, that was everyone good. saw that as a future move and less for 2015. So I think that's a really good, that's an interesting thought, um, which I, I think speaks to the possibility that, you know, if you're trading chips, pushing in um, for players like the ones who are, who are generally traded, which are guys, you know, at the end of a contract, um, how much, how much does that hurt? Like, how much does that shorten your window? How many of these teams um, have pushed in these chips for 2015 and and thus lost the chips that they might have had for 2016? Well, and the value of a general manager. I mean, I mean, I'll use the Nationals as a perfect example. They needed more depth, and they traded for Jonathan Papelbon. That wasn't enough. He blew up, and and the team kind of tanked. Whether you want to say it was because of him or not, you know, you could certainly argue it, but. And then we see the other GMs who, you know, did so well and added so much value to their team, and now see their teams in the playoffs, and not only succeeding there, but certainly at the pay, it, you know, at the turnstile and excess merchandise, and how some of these, you know, adding a little bit of payroll midseason certainly more than added to their bottom line. Well, so you bring that up. I guess I would turn the question. Uh, that seems like a good segue to the Mets because I think the Mets and the Nationals. I mean, you couldn't. There aren't two teams that are stark, more starkly contrasted for 2016 in terms of 2015 in terms of expectations versus reality. And you know, as the as the uh, I'm sure still somewhat bitter Nationals fan, um, like, what do you? How do you feel about the division, the Mets specifically, looking in the next year? Do you feel like they, you know, that that they're now the dominant? team in the division or do you feel like you the nationals now have something to prove uh well the nationals certainly have something to prove i think that's that's easy but i <laughs> I, I disrespected the mets all year i've still i've still been disrespecting them i look at their roster one to 25 and i don't get it and but that to be said a lot of people probably said the same thing about the 2012 nationals and the 2015 mets remind me a great deal of of the 2012 nationals built behind their pitching a lot of young guys, everything in the world kind of at their back, everything working. And uh, we've seen what happened the last three years in Washington. The expectations have gotten big, and they certainly haven't lived up to them. I'm, I'm very curious what the Mets do this offseason. Can they re keep Cespedes? What are they going to do with Murphy? 
Um, how does everything shake out? Uh, I know Zach Wheeler comes back. Do all these arms stay healthy? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I certainly think that the Nationals uh, are now looking at the Mets as, I mean, this is a team that, you know, is, what, two games away from the World Series, whatever it is, could win the World Series. So they're certainly the top dog. But mm, I don't know. I, I'm not... I certainly don't think that they're a uh, they're a strong favorite going into next year, but maybe I'm too close to it. What do you guys think? Yeah, so maybe if I can add to that a little bit, we kind of talked about the new money ball thing and sort of what what wins. Sort of what we I guess we didn't really know what wins in the playoffs, like how you how you win in the playoffs. I feel like there was an EW show about this, but about maybe the, maybe the guys not really finding anything specific, any any big you know red flags to say. You know, this is something we can pick out and say this is what you need in particular that helps win the playoffs. But after just kind of seeing Bumgarner do his thing last year, and obviously the Mets built built around rotation. You know, not just Daniel Murphy. Um, that maybe maybe pitching is a thing that that we're going to see a little bit more. At least, maybe whether it's whether it's a, a you know a myth or not. Uh, maybe teams are going to try to start pushing more money into pitching pitching later in the season. Um, to make a playoff run, if there's been some like recent cases, and you know, like I said, maybe it's a myth. It, it could still be a myth. And to play but, devil's advocate a little bit with you, how many games have we seen where the the offense is blown up? I mean, we've seen a lot of games where ten, twelve runs have been scored, and you know, so often you think, oh, you got to have an ace in the playoffs, you got to have somebody mm-hmm. that can shut teams down. We saw it with Baumgartner last year, and now we we turn it around to 2015, and it seems like it's man, you need to have the offense. I mean, the Cubs line up and goodness toronto's a bunch of sluggers and the mets have gotten yeah. hot and you know yeah, kansas and, and, city manufactures the run somehow i i, I guess the point absolutely I'm trying, i see yeah. that as even the teams that who are knocked out the teams who made it this far are the teams who you know like like houston they made it on offense on, on pushing through offense rangers somehow had an offense gel so i think you, you absolutely need the blend and the depth to get there for sure and then when it comes to actually success I don't. I don't know that I see the Mets. I don't think that what the Mets have put together is something that you can plan to put together because I don't think anyone in the anyone who would tell you that you know that they would expect this performance out of Cindergard, Mats. I mean, Degrom has been the weakest link in their rotation for this playoff series, and he is maybe the fourth or fifth best pitcher in the National League right now. Um, I mean, this is, it's the sort of insanity that you, that makes October great and makes trying to predict what's going to happen in 2016 really, really stupid. Um, But, you know, what that means to me is, like, what's different, this is all this conversation people had about the Royals last year. Like, they're the, they're the new kids on the block. This is the, you know, they're, they're in. It's isn't it sweet that they got this far, but nobody's really expecting them. And um, the Mets are are built fairly similar to that Royals team, where they've got a lot of visible holes, but those holes are more like it's not like stars and scrubs. It's more like um, they just the depth is all fairly replacement level. It's not really clear that like oh the fifth person on their bench is better than the average fifth person on the bench. And not to take too much away from the Mets, I'm, I'm sure Mets fans are grinding their teeth about my comments, but mm-hmm. they did beat up on a lot of really bad teams this summer. I mean, the, the Marlins were really bad. The, the Phillies were really bad this summer. The Braves were bad, and the Nationals played some terrible baseball at times. And the, the Mets won a lot of division games against some bad teams. I don't think the NL East will be quite as bad next year. And I, I, The Phillies and the Braves are going to be pretty bad next year. Um, but they can't the, be. They can't be as bad as they were. And probably not. But it'll. But I, I, know think, um, I know what you're saying. Yeah, you're probably right. I think that's an interesting. That is that is true. Although the one thing, like that's another thing that people felt about the Royals last year, and they turned around and you know were able to have the best record in the AL. So I, I guess I won't count them out. But at the same time, I've got the same skepticism that you have. I will ask you guys. So by the time people listen to this. Daniel Murphy will have hit about 18 home runs in the postseason. Um, if you're the Mets, what do you do with with Murphy heading into the offseason? Yeah, so so I think publicly didn't they said they said they they weren't going to give him money. I think now they're going to give him 
that was going to tender him uh, contract. Um, I, I I don't I don't think you know Sandy Alderson's an idiot and thinks you know what nine games kind of tells you how good a player is. Um, it might you know it might it might might help when you want an off player option or something or you want an extra vesting option or you know maybe you want to you know free soda in, in the clubhouse or something <laughs> like that. So he's not going to the A's. He's not. So he's not going to the A's. We don't pay for soda here, but I, I don't think it changed. It's changed a whole lot, and, and, you know. And I can and I can sort of turn that around and say, what what is is David Price going to get less money now, right? Sort of in the same boat. Cueto, right? Yeah. Or Cueto, right? Great example. Like, uh, I, I don't. I don't think it's going to change much. I got to say, and, I disagree with you a little bit. Uh, uh, to the point where I, I thought it was first a slam dunk that they were going to offer him arbitration. I mean, with such a weak free agent class, particularly of bats, and, and especially with middle infielders, and Murphy can play you three positions rather comfortably. I, I didn't see any way that he wouldn't get a three-year deal in the open market this year. So, But that said, I, I, I never underestimate the ability of ownership to get in the middle of these type of signings and then say, Hey, we can pitch this guy as he was the world series hero last year. We can sell a bunch of jerseys. We can trot him out there. I, I maybe I'm jaded and, and maybe I've seen too many moves like that, but I, I think Murphy probably definitely gets a three-year deal where maybe even a four-year deal. Well, I don't, where I didn't think he would get more than three, a couple of it's certainly two or three weeks ago. Yeah, and I would say, yeah, that that's a good point. I guess, um, well, here's a question. So let's say you're a, you're a front office and you, you need a middle infielder. Would you rather, um, who, would you, who do you expect to see more, get more money um, for the average annual value, Murphy or Ian Desmond? Well, that's a good question. So I guess and, and the question we, I have to answer first to that is, is Ian Desmond still a shortstop, right? No. He Come looked on. horrible, right? So he's re- uh, we're basically looking at a guy in the same position. But Murphy's guy... barely a second baseman. So... Right. I mean, I think you can play Desmond at short for two more years. Two more years? Okay. I think that's fair. And then I think he becomes either a second or a third baseman for you. He could probably play center field for you, but you're not going to move him this late in his career. But that, that, that's what you got. You probably got two more years of him being adequate at shortstop. And if we're call, and if Murphy's not a middle infielder anymore, then I'll, I'll probably give. Yeah, you know, if you asked me this question two years ago, I'll give Desmond, you know, 150 million. Yeah, right. So are the Nationals. So now I cut that in half, cut that in half now. I guess at, at most, maybe like yeah, three, and and it's three years, and three years, eighteen eighty seventy seven. Yeah. Uh, mm. um, maxing out with options and everything, you know, fifty to seventy, yeah, I'll seems take, realistic for both of these guys. Which I think, I'll take that, the over. That's okay. Go for it. Yeah, go. Um, you good? I would. Um, I think. I still think Desmond gets four years guaranteed. I think there's a chance he gets five. Uh, probably somewhere in the seventeen to twenty million a year range. And that's probably the right. And, and, I, I guess that's, that's probably the right move but my, I, I guess my my feeling is like you know this conversation at any point b- before August 2015 we would have like this would have been a waste of time because it would be oh, such a stupid sure. thing to talk about and I, think, <laughs> and I think Murphy probably gets you know three years 40 million something in that range yeah I, yeah my feeling is the Mets give okay. a qualifying offer knowing they're never going to sign him um, and and they get the draft pick. I also think and because they can move Defoe over to second, and um, they need to fill shortstop in some other way. I also think people don't realize that Desmond was pretty good for the last six weeks of the season. I mean, his his defense was a lot better, and and he got his numbers. At, the batting average was pathetic, but he still ended up with 19 home runs and I think 15 steals for the year. I mean, it, those are still good, pretty pretty good counting stats, and something like 65 or 70 ribbies. So. Yeah, I think I think that's true. I mean, I will say if I were, I don't know if I don't know if the Nationals try to bring him back. But I, as far as Desmond goes, I think that yes, he is. He's better than expected, which is um, or better than I think people remember at this time of year. 
He's also um, a really good clubhouse guy. And uh, he's very, very good. He's the best guy in that clubhouse. I can promise you that. <laughs> well, I that clubhouse so. could use a couple more Let, decent human beings. There's a no, lot of good guys in there. Scherzer's a terrific guy. Jordan Zimmerman, you can't get a better guy. Strasburg's quiet, but he's a good guy. Harper, truthfully, is a really good guy. He just gets a lot yeah. of grief. Rendon is a quiet, good guy. Ryan Zimmerman is a church mouse. I mean, he's an, a sweetheart of a guy. He's just very quiet. And Denard Spann <laughs> is a great guy. Gian Gonzalez is one of the best people you'd ever hang out with. Well, and you're losing a bunch of those names. Yeah, that, and oh, that's a. Did they have a closer or something? I can't remember his name. <laughs> I can't remember him either. He only pitched about nine games. Well, he'll so. get. He'll, they picked up his option when they when they got him, so oh, he'll goodness. be he'll be back. Oh goodness! I will, um, I will say, Gio Gio Gonzalez has a very cute dog. I do follow him on Instagram. He's a good guy. He's I can really attest to that. So, um, I think we've covered the Mets now, and we've covered Toronto. Let, let's talk Kansas City now. I think they're, if we're talking about kind of the change in expectations in organization, certainly no team has changed more in the last two years than, than Kansas City. But I, I think we entered the year thinking they were a fluke, and now we are sitting here, and goodness, they're, I don't know, one or two wins away from the World Series. I mean. You what? guys want a hot take? Please, hot yes. take me. This is that 30-year drought after this. They could win it all. They don't have starting pitching. And the, a bullpen is only as good as the arms who are alive in it. Um, that's not going to last. Holland, their is offense gone. has yeah. their offense is is good at what they do. But next year, you've got um, Cleveland, which I think people don't realize how how much they turned around in the year. You've got Minnesota, which I think you know those those prospects are coming up, and they're really exciting. Um, I don't think Detroit's going to do anything, but I think that I don't think that the Royals are getting very far. And haters come at me. No, you, you, we heard it here first on Bench. Hey, no, you did. Everyone's been saying this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could have just played this from twelve months ago. You know, right? But, like, but I mean, yeah, that's I. I guess maybe everybody was just a year too early in that prediction. But I do. I think you make a great, a couple of great points in there. With you know, Holland is gone. Their bullpen could be is certainly going to lose some depth. Like you say, their starting pitching is going to lose Cueto. Um, you know, Ventura's been up and down. I'm with you. A lot of their offense, you know, is is kind of. I don't know. I think you make a great point. I don't. I don't know where this team goes forward. Their system is not really that strong. I don't know. I'm rambling. Help me, guys. Even their even their sort of younger starter starting uh, position players now, I, I don't really see as superstars. You know, like Mustaka's kind of turned it around. Like I think he'll be pretty good going forward, but he's not a superstar. Not even close. Even Eric Hosmer, everyone kind of raves about him. He's sort of you're more like athletic type first baseman, but he's not, you know he's not a superstar. So you can go around the diamond and do the same. Uh, yeah, thing. Lorenzo Cain is the same. I feel like. I mean, yeah. honestly, of those guys, I feel like Lorenzo Cain is, you know, he's got the best chance of being real. But yeah. all of these 31. guys we're talking about, I mean, uh, 2017, they're all free agents. So they've got, I mean, they if they want this to happen, they're going to have to really stock up this, this year and next year. They, this team won't be able to get back is to the offseason. If, if the Royals get back, it's not this team. And people overlook the fact Lorenzo Cain's 31 years old. I mean, he's not a spring chicken anymore. He, he's he's as good as he's going to be, and he's a tremendous player. But it's not, you know, you keep thinking, oh, well, Hosmer could take a step forward. Mustaka still could. Cain probably is who he is at this point. Yeah, and, and this is, like, you know, he's he's always been an excellent fielder. Um, and I, 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 I do kind of buy into the hitting, but that could just be being, me being kind of, crazy in a more or less like one year sample of of power and on base on, on top of his defense so that you know the power could you know just as easily fall off next year and go back to being kind of a 10 homer guy so that you know there's, especially at his age like you mentioned there's, there's really no guarantees there and I yeah love... but all that said i think you know i'm not the royals aren't the most exciting team in the playoffs for me this year i 
I've really enjoyed watching the Blue Jays. Um, the, the Mets and the Cubs are both exciting to watch. But you know, I hope that they, I hope that they can do it. They were a, a blast to watch last year. It's a shame they couldn't unseat the Giants because, boo Giants. And I, I hope they can, you know, make this stretch this out. Um, I won't mind if they get go home with the ring. I hope that they, you know, I wish them nothing but the best. I think they've proven their point, which is they're not, you know, they are somebody that they are contenders. Um, I think they go into next year uh, with a lot of people predicting that they'll be favorites, and my hot take remains. If I could just vent a little bit about sort of me having to oppose them, the Jays oppose them for the whole series now. Uh, it's I, I guess it, we're kind of being kind of mean to the Royals and saying they're not they're going to go away, but right now they they just they they hit everything, you know they you know no matter what the pitch is they they foul it off even even their even Kendrick Morales you know like you kind of think of him as kind of a big switching slugger who broke his leg, but you know he he's you know even if he can't reach a pitch he's going to roll it off down the first baseline you know and. I'll see, like I see these Escobar too, his same kind of th- same kind of deal, but you know, even to a greater extent, just fouls of everything, and they they keep battling it. It's frustrating. That's all I can say as a chase. Well, and I think that actually that's a great point. And um, we're talking about the, the new Moneyball, which is you know we talked about that earlier, but um, someone the other day was tweeting about you know that with Murphy with that too, like. During the regular mm-hmm. season, that's not really much of a skill. It's just, you know, it's hit tool, but it's not hitting for power. It's not, you know, necessarily the type of hit tool that you normally think. But in the postseason, where starting pitching makes all the difference, being able to work up counts is a huge, huge advantage. And that is something that, you know, if the Royals can get to a wild card game or if they can, can get the division again next year, I think that they are... They do have the skills to be able to to succeed in that scenario. I so I, I think that's a good point, um, and that I don't see that changing. That's not something that, as far as I know, you know, you grow out of. It actually, you, you probably get a little bit better at it. You know, the more comfortable you are as a hitter, the older you get. Well, and now with their experience in the playoffs and their success, you start to believe in yourself a little bit as well. Yeah, well, and then yeah. if um, if people don't believe in them, then you get through the the April that we had this year, where they will hit you in the jaw until you believe in them. Yeah, that's that, that wasn't fair. I take that one back. Sorry. Hey-o. Royal. Hey-o. <laughs> On that note, let's talk. Uh, let's talk the Cubs a little bit. Uh, last team that we ha- that's remaining. I-, I think most people would say they have the brightest future of the four teams that are that are remaining. I, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn. Uh, entered the season, you know, some people thought they could they could have a good year, but I, now they sit here once again with a couple of wins from the World Series, and all that hitting talent has kind of emerged at once. Uh, Tyler, Ben, whoever, what are your thoughts, guys? Yeah, I guess it's it's a little interesting because we all kind of expected maybe like as of like two years ago, we oh they got Addison Russell, oh Chris Bryant looks pretty good. And it was just sort of a matter of time until everybody was kind of up, and Schwarber seemed to be like the last, the last guy that was still sitting down in AAA. Um, and, and now that we're you know we're seeing like how how incredible the bats really are, and especially if they can kind of fill in the premium positions. You know, Schwarber like you know we, we kind of knew he wasn't really going to be a catcher, but with you know Brian and and Russell on. The, Kind of manning the left side of the infield, um, it really helps to not have your know, your big superstars, like you know, plug in the first base spot. Obviously, Rizzo is great, but without a DH as well, you you know, you need your your best bats to be on the field, and that's kind of what they have right now. Yeah, and I think um, I mean the, the the great thing about them is they've got tons of money, um, they've got tons of youth, so they don't have to spend money where you normally have to spend it, which is on bats. And their holes are pitching bullpen, and and that's a pretty crowded market this year. So I expect. I mean, I think that the the central will be tough. I think the the Cardinals aren't going away. The Pirates um, 
you know they they haven't been able to get past the wild card, but they're they're a really good team. Um, they're not going away. I I guess at the beginning of the season I had a bench to the pin post where I basically argued that um, the the Mets and the Brewers were positioned had the same likelihood of success, and I meant it as a dig at the Mets who were coming off a hot April, but. Um, I got proven wrong a hundred ways on that. I guess I don't think the Brewers have too much of a shot. Um, I'd love for the Reds to be doing a little bit better because you know there's there's a couple guys there who I really root for, but I don't I don't know. But that that those three teams, I think they're gonna keep pushing. And I mean, I, I guess it would be it'll be interesting to see. But I think that is a division where you you kind of you're gonna have to win it. Um, if you can't win the division, I think it's it's going to be tough to get too far in the playoffs for for whoever gets there. Obviously, the Cubs unseated the Cardinals, but you know that's not going to be a gimme division like it was for the Cardinals for most of the 2000s. And I think the Cubs are really positioned to to run away with that and and have the kind of dynasty that we're all going to hate Cubs fans in two or three years. I agree with you, though I do want to give a subtle plug to the Milwaukee Brewers that you didn't mention as well. They they've gathered a lot of talent in the last six to twelve months. They got new owner or not new ownership, pardon me. They've got a new GM, a new assistant mm-hmm. GM. Uh they've got some very tradable pieces this offseason. I think they realize that they they are gonna need to rebuild. They trade Luke Roy, Luke Roy, pardon me, Frankie Rodriguez, Chris Davis, Segura, a couple other names, add, you know, six, eight more prospects to what they already gathered. Maybe this team is is something to to fear, so to speak, in 2017. Yeah, well, that's that would be interesting. It's always fun to see teams like that um, make it far, and I think that's been the that's been the most fun about this whole off season is, you know, none of the teams that have made it to this point are the teams that you know that, that normally get hyped up ahead of a season. They're all they're all underdogs, and um, I think that's great for baseball. And to even build off that point, we're going to see a team that hasn't won a title in 20 years, and that's the least amount of time, the, or the you know fewest amount of years since the championship of these right. four teams. I mean, we could see, you know, 1908 or whatever it is. I mean, we could see the Cubs make history this this offseason, and one of these teams is going to make history. So it's been a great postseason, frankly. Yeah, so – I, I agree. I'm glad you agree, Ryan. But we've got one person who's a fan of a team who's who's a long shot at this point to advance. So okay. I've got to. I would transition that because my question would be: Okay, I don't think you know. I don't think any of us expected these teams to make it to where they made it in terms of you know when we were writing this out on paper in in mm. March. So if you're a fan of any of these teams and you don't win the World Series. Are you happy? Are you disappointed? What do you like? What's your reaction? So, the, for as a Jays fan, the the objective answer is, you know, you made the ALCS. You, you, you say you say thank you. You buy a hat. You know, you you, you look forward to the off season to to make some some extra moves. Um, in reality, I'll probably be sad. It's just going to come down to that, especially if you know they. They, maybe they win tomorrow. They win tomorrow at home, and and then end up losing in KC, and I might even be a little more emotional. But you know, the, the, there's been like quite a few storylines. The like the Bautista, that big home run, like that's going to be you know, that's maybe one of the biggest home runs that the Jays have hit ever in their history, right? So that, that's something big kind of words hang your hat talking on to a Phillies fan. I don't know about that, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's something to hang your hat on at least, and it's something that. You know, it's pretty recognizable around the city too. It seems. Well, we just had our elections. Um, I don't know if you guys saw that our federal elections last night, and there, you know, there tons of memes about integrating Jose's bat flip with with the prime minister Harper out of town, and you know, I think I think like there's been some there's some moments where that are going to be very memorable down the road. So I'll be upset at first, but. It's definitely been a more than successful season, for sure. I can tell you from experience, when the Nats lost in 2012, it was crushing. Yeah. And some of it is because you follow a team for six months every day, day in and day out. You get invested in the team, and you're emotionally, you know, just charged up, and then all of a sudden the season's over. It's just blink of an eye, it's done. 
Yeah, I'm going to cry. Can, it, uh, can I change my answer, actually? It, <laughs> I'm going to be devastated. I'm gonna I, be can, devastated. I can promise you it's going to feel like a slap to the slap to the face. It, if well, it, so, and I'm still saying I think Toronto's sure. got a chance to come back. Let's not – I'm not trying no, to – No, no, for sure, for sure. But if the team loses and if your team loses, it is some kind of a gut punch. I – yeah, I think that that's absolutely true. I guess so I think about um for me that you know the last chance the Phillies had was 2011. Um that year they were they won like 103 102 games. Um the Halliday pitched the no-hitter in the postseason. It was amazing. get derailed that stings but then you've got that whole season that you can like man that was that was six plus months of the best baseball i've ever seen and i love it and i like fans of whoever doesn't win the world series is like all of these teams have been playing really fun baseball for almost all year i guess the mets had fairly just like really Mets baseball through up until like early July, but then they've been playing really good baseball since then. And, and like, that, that's a, like, that is something to hang your head on. You shouldn't, you, it will be sad if you don't win, yeah. but you did it guys. You all did it. You, you were better than the 26 yeah. other teams. Cardinals fans would say that you weren't better than them, but no, sorry. Did I get bumbo? All right, guys, a uh, little technical difficulties there. We're back now. Uh, I think this is a good time for maybe us to cut it here and try to uh, maybe make our predictions. We've got uh, – we're in the middle of two uh, the championship series and uh, the World Series. So um, let me throw it to Ben first. We'll stick alphabetically. Uh, let, let's make uh, – let's hear your predictions for both the AL and the NLCS and uh, the World Series. So I, I don't want to pick against the Jays, but, you know, there's really like a 12% chance maybe they're – they're they're gonna win three in a row. I know they just won three in a row, but I think I think you might see another Bautista big home run tomorrow, and then they'll probably one of the two games in KC might not go in their favor, and that'll that'll be enough to make KC in the World Series. And um, cheating a little bit, but Schwarber did just drop a routine fly ball to give the Mets a four-two lead, and I don't think you can come back from three-zero unless you're the Boston Red Sox. So I'm going to say the Mets and the Royals, and you know, pitching. We'll take pitching over over uh, contact contact rate, and we'll take the Mets for the World Series. Wow. Okay. Very very cool. Uh, Tyler, same question. I've got the same World Series. I'm going to go Royals Mets. I'm going to um, uh, acquiesce to Royals fans, atone for my uh, bad mouthing hot takes earlier. I say Royals in six. And I'm going because prediction, like oh my god, postseason prediction, guys, it's the worst. So and we're right there. So here's my big prediction: there is a walk-off balk to win ga- oh. a, a non-winner winning game, and uh, it in there's a you know 15 minute delay for trash on the field, and everybody talks about how oh my god, Royals fans are just like Phillies fans. And Blue Jays fans, and Blue and and Braves fans. I'll have you know. Uh, okay, I got to change it up, guys. Uh, I can't be the same. Uh, I will stick with. Unfortunately, I'm going to pick against the Blue Jays. I'm going to stick with the Royals. Uh, I'm predicting a comeback for the Cubs. I don't know how they're going to do it, particularly with that nugget that you just dropped on me. But uh, I, I'm going reverse the curse. So I'm going. I'm going to have the Cubs and the Royals and. I'm going to pick the Cubs in the World Series. It's also 5-2 now. Just to... Okay, never <laughs> mind. Like, I'm taking it back. You're like 10 seconds faster than me, so you're spoiling it for me, and I'm watching the same game as you. I've got, okay, so last prediction, guys. How many home runs has Murphy hit by the end of the um, postseason? Okay, we, he's homered in five straight games. So I don't know how well, many he's hit, but that established. Ugh. Two. I'm going to say, I'm going to say zero. He's done. You say he's done. I think it's a sweep, so I think he's not going to homer next game. I'm going two. And one tomorrow, in fact. So he goes six straight to set the record. That's the, There's my hot take. There we go. Oh, yeah. It's not really that hot, but anyways, you know. 
So, um, all right, guys. So we got a little difference of opinion, but uh, should be good. So uh, let's end this podcast the way we began it. And uh, guys, uh, you know, say your goodbyes. Twitter handle where they can find your work. Uh, anything you want to share? Uh, let's start with Tyler. We started with Ben a couple times. Yeah, it's, uh, again, um, Tyler's note at Tyler's notes on Twitter. Come at me with your uh, with your defenses. I will I will hate on all your teams. I don't even care. And um, hoping to do uh, a bit more at Banish to the Pen in the off season, um, and and maybe some other projects too. Stay tuned. Very cool. We'll have to have you uh, back when we start talking off season because I really do want to dive into the Phillies off season. Um, ben, same question to you, brother. Yeah, I'd love to get some more words on on Dance of the Pen soon. Um, it should be a fun off season. I hopefully, love some some contract predictions and that kind of stuff. It's always fun and seeing where, where everyone's gonna go. And uh, yeah, so be Suisa again, and I'll, I'll I'll be in my room crying when the Jays lose in six. I'm I'm talking comeback. They're coming back, baby. They're coming back. They're coming back. So, uh, well, guys, in all sincerity, thank you for joining me tonight. Uh, always great to see your work. Always great to have you on the podcast. And uh, this was a lot of fun covering a, a a lot of baseball here in, in a relatively short time. So, thanks, guys, for joining me. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking here in the next couple of weeks. Cool. And thanks, uh, guys. and go Blue Jays. Go Jays. And that was episode 36 of the Banish to the Pen podcast with my special guests, Tyler Baber and Ben Suisa. Uh, thank you guys for joining me. As I said, uh, that was a lot of fun. We covered a lot of ground, and um, I'm really hoping for uh, Tyler and Ben and, uh, well, certainly Ben, that uh, Toronto can pull it out here. So uh, good luck to the Jays. Uh, before we get out of here, I do want to give a special thanks, uh, as I do every week, to uh, everybody associated with, associated with Banished to the Pen. All the writers, the editors, the contributors, uh, technical support staff, and uh, everybody in between. A lot of people working very hard, and uh, I think we really turn out a very good product on a daily basis. And uh, not just this podcast, but uh, everything to do with Banished to the Pen. So check out everybody's work. I can't recommend it enough. This is your host, Ryan Sullivan, at NatchGM.com on Twitter, reminding you, be nice to your fellow baseball fans.